you know, this is where Lieutenant Dan, is, I guess he's feeling a little bit better than he was in New York. And he says, you know, obviously, because uh, what I find funny is like Forrest is like, how did you get here? And he's like, you wrote me a letter, dummy. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, that's, I, I flew in on your letter. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's how I knew where you were. Um, but yeah. And obviously because uh, Forrest Gump is extremely lucky and someone seems to be looking out for him. Uh, the entire shrimp industry is devastated by a hurricane, and the only boat left standing is his boat. Which, it's now, a real hurricane. There was a real hurricane in 1974 called the Hurricane Carmen, but it didn't yes. anywhere near Alabama. It, was, it hit Louisiana, but not Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, 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 obviously, I think they're just using the name, aren't they, just to kind of lend it a bit of credibility. Um, but yeah, and what it basically what happens is, um, I, you know, obviously, with all the competition destroyed, <laughs> they basically are the only people to be able to supply shrimp, and so you know, they end up now catching tons of shrimp, and to the point where they end up with a whole fleet. And this is, I think, this is probably my favorite bit in the in the movie, which is when. We come back to the present, and he explains that you know it's the shrimp, the the Bubba shrimp, the um, Bubba Gump shrimp Bubba company. Gump. Yes, not easy to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he named it that. Um, but he talks about how they've got hats, and they've got like a fleet of twelve, and you know Lieutenant Dan's in charge of it, and it's making lots of money. And you know the guy who'd been listening, you know who we'd seen kind of join him, um, kind of after Vietnam. He's like, yeah, that's really, he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we've been sitting on a bench mm-hmm. next to a millionaire. And then he just kind of walks off like laughing at him. And then that's when like Forrest decides to effectively prove this by pulling out a picture of Newsweek with him and Lieutenant Dan. But it's too late. Which oh, God, no, really, that was terrible. Really mm-hmm. I was like, that's the worst. Like they clearly they've that, that was the last thing that they did was like, just Photoshop him on something. Um, you know, it looks like. So if you guys are ever in the States, you'll have to eat at one of the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company uh, restaurants. I've been to one. There's one in Tennessee that I've been to. I walked past the one in Times Square a few times last time I was in New York and mm-hmm. didn't go in because I'm not, I'm not a fan of shrimp. So, <laughs> so unless oh. there's something else on the menu, then... Not even all its iterations that Bubba Gump <laughs> well, no, I It doesn't matter what you do to it. I'm not going to eat it because I don't like shrimp. So... <laughs> You know, unless you're going to replace it with another meat, then do you do we call do you call shrimp shrimp in the UK, Dan? I can't remember now. Well, I think you do we call, call them prawns. prawns. Yeah, we call them prawns. Too. You guys call Famously prawns. in America, they have said put another shrimp they on the bar, and no one ever calls them. I mean, I don't mind prawn cocktail crisps. That's true, <laughs> but they got no prawns in, so you know, <laughs> there's literally no prawns in there. Uh, but yeah, so obviously we find out, you know, in this moment that basically the current day um, Forrest Gump is, you know, a millionaire, a multimillionaire, probably, um, you know, given how successful he says it's a, ha- a gozillionaire. Well, is what yeah, he, calls he, he, he says it's a household name. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And then we get finally uh, Lieutenant Dan, you know, he thanks Forrest for saving his life. Um, but then at this point, we also find out that his mama is sick. Um, and so, of course, Forrest being Forrest, he leaps off the boat and just runs home, uh, which, you know. I do like that the, the movie has the courage of its conviction. It makes him jump off the boat and then it spends a good 20 seconds on the running montage to get him there. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not mucking around. Well, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny because it's like, yeah, he, you know, obviously he, when earlier in, in life, Jenny said to him, you know, if you need to get somewhere, run. And so that's what he does. He just 
immediately just runs. Um, well, I like the fact that they, yeah. that we get to see a, a little clip on TV that tells us when exactly this happens when he gets the message about his mother, because they they talk about the fact that uh, Ford there was an assassination attempt, and this was in September '75. Oh, so they're mm-hmm. they're giving us like, a few seconds just to tell us where we are in history. Um, I should say, of course, you know, to get the shrimp, Forrest Gump had been attending a black church, um, you know, because obviously he doesn't see he doesn't see race. He just sees people that like him. So um, he 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 just kind of. And um, of course, when he visited, um, you know, uh, Bubba's mom to say, I'm going to buy a shrimp boat. She was like, who are you? And they all kind of looked a bit, you know, glanced sideways at him at like this. Yeah. (laughs) And of course, he says stupid as a stupid does. And, um, you know, his mom is sick. Uh, she dies of the cancer. Um, and, you know, the, the lady who's on the bench obviously is moved by this particular part of the story. Um, and being super wealthy, Forrest Gump invests in the local church because obviously he feels that, you know, they, they brought him the shrimp and in a local hospital. Um, and then he sends, uh, uh, against, you know, the advice of Lieutenant Dan, he sends a percentage of the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company's money to Bubba's mother. And, of course, it is so much money that she faints with all her kids around her. I like how the kids just don't react at all to their mom just, like, fainting right next to them. Uh, <laughs> I love that whenever you see them, the whole family is Oh, yeah. They're, all, they're always together in a group. They're, they're opening. They just got a letter and the whole family's there looking <laughs> right. at them. Yeah. And at this point, uh, Forrest, you know, as a career, he decides, you know, he doesn't really need to do anything. So he just starts cutting the grass uh, around uh, his hometown and just sitting on a sitting on a riding mower, just mm-hmm. doing it all for free. Um, and if, I do like that mower. Yeah. Sweet mower. I do, too. I was actually <laughs> looking at that. I was like, God, I wish I had that mower. <laughs> yeah, it's nice and comfortable. You could just sit on it and just mow all the grass. Mm-hmm. Good steering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, no, he's it got does. a gazillion dollars, so he can buy a nice one. Oh yeah, yeah. no, it is probably yeah. it's probably like a quarter million mower right there. Um, <laughs> Seventy five, and uh, yeah, I know. And <laughs> at this point, this is where Jenny once more returns, um, and you have to say to yourself, "I wonder why she's returning to multi-millionaire Forrest Gump. What could possibly have brought her back to multi-millionaire <laughs> Forrest Gump?" Um, of course, they are once more like peas and carrots, which I'm like. I mean, peas in a pot is uh, a more like peas and carrots. Well, is the thing. <laughs> I guess. Um, and you know, she she seems very tired and not super like you know energetic. Uh, she's sleeping a lot. Uh, you know, they they take walks together and they end up at her old house. And you know, she obviously throws uh, you know some rocks at it. Um, uh, this is when Sweet Home Alabama plays as well, which is kind of like uh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I mean. I mean, personally, if I was doing this film, I would be like, um, Forrest Gump is like, and then I bought that land and then we burnt down that house, you know, just like, you know, give her some real catharsis. Instead, she just kind of throws a few rocks and then kind of collapses. Um, You know, obviously the kind of, I'm guessing at this point, her father is dead, long dead, probably. Um, So, you know, seeing her old house. What's his line? I guess, I guess sometimes there aren't enough rocks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's simple. There... Like he, he, he doesn't like. I think he knows. You know, obviously, she has some pain there, but he doesn't know like the depth. You know, I think honestly, the most emo- emotionally vulnerable anyone has ever been with him is Lieutenant Dan in the scene where they, you know, he tells him, "You like stole my destiny from me." Um, but yeah, like he, 
he loves Jenny, but he loves her as like this angelic friend of his. I don't think that he sees her flaws at all or sees her like traumatic past. Yeah. And of course, the only time they were ever intimate, it seems to be implied that, you know, after that rainstorm, Mm -hmm. he basically prematurely Mm -hmm. ejaculated uh, and the, they, they, they top this, that's it. On her roommate's... Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And they top it off by going over to the roommate who's like fully awake and he's just like probably extremely <laughs> uncomfortable what's going on in this entire situation. Um, but yeah, and that, I mean, effectively, they kind of like play house. Like, the, you know, she moves in, um, you know, she refuses mm-hmm. to marry him. Um, you know, she buys him a pair of Nikes. You know, so... Uh, and they, those... That's love. They, la- I mean, I, t- I mean, here's the thing. Like, I think in like 19, when, like you say, we're in like 1975, 1976, around that time. Uh, you know, I don't think Nikes were like a big thing. So it's kind of funny that she's like, you know, she's that forward thinking. Um, and of course, well, she's that forward thinking. In, in Alabama too, they're not in. Yeah, they're not in Oregon. They're not in Oregon or anything. They're they're out, they're out, they're in the deep south, and he's just getting, yeah, Nikes ten years before they were famous. Well, not ten years, but like you know, they they were a middling company and well yeah. into Jordan. So it is a, it is a sort of it really stands out because they show them a few times mm-hmm. while, actually. Um I'm not, so I'm not sure if it was they show him at the they like show him at the start all muddy. Almost, like the first thing that you see is like his feet. Well yeah. there's that foresight and then there's also the foresight that Lieutenant Dan has when he buys stock in that company. <laughs> yes. Uh, which is which So I think I feel like they're related as like you know, I think it's funny because like in nineteen ninety four I don't like Apple were literally I think they were literally like on the verge of bankruptcy. So that might be a double joke in that like here is some stock that's going to be successful for Forrest Gump in the 80s, but obviously later on it's not going to be successful like he's going to lose all his money if that's where his his investments are. Um but then obviously it got turned around <laughs> in the late 90s. So, you know, these days he would end up being like a multi multi millionaire just off the stock from Apple. So, I don't know if that was intended as like a joke for like the fact that Apple was like kind of on the verge of collapse. Right. Well, well, um, Nike came out, uh, became they 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 officially became known as Nike at the in the middle of seventy one. So we're still talking almost five years later. So I guess it was something that was yeah. known at the time. It was it must have already been national. Yeah. Yeah, and if she's traveling, I mean, that's it's understood that she's kind of been transient this whole time. That she might have known about it. Yeah. Um, and, and then, of course, uh, Jenny, you know, after deciding not to marry Forrest, she you know, leaves in the middle of the night uh, with another guy. And I, I don't even know if we find out this guy's name. No, she, she um, doesn't leave with any guy. She leaves with a taxi driver. Oh, it's just a taxi driver. Maybe, she, maybe I'm just assuming things. Driver. But uh, no. Yeah, I'm well, just assuming that. with Jenny. Every, she, she's, every time she leaves, she just seems to turn up with a new right, guy. But she spent the night with him. Um, well, yeah, she mm-hmm. does, of course. Um uh, and obviously, we'll find out the consequences. Of which that was later which on. was on July fourth, nineteen seventy six, because we get the small clip on the TV of the the, cent- the bicentennial. Wow, that makes that place is mm-hmm. very close to the same age as Haley Joel Osment in this movie. I'm almost the exact same maybe, age. Maybe you are. <laughs> well, wait. If you were so you were conceived on July fourth, well, nineteen seventy six. I mean, that would have just been a coincidence, obviously, for my parents in Australia. Um, <laughs> I mean, Haley Joel Osment is only thirty-three, yeah. so yeah, but he's playing. But he's playing Forrest Junior. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Well, well it's funny actually because yeah. Haley Joel Osment is the same age that Tom Hanks was in Turner and Hooch. So, um, you know, 
we come full circle. He should have got the part, not Josh Peck. Josh Peck's too old. Um, and so, so, of course, this is when we just get... Forrest just starts running. Uh, he runs to the coast, and then he runs to the other coast, and then he I runs back that, to the that's coast. That's another great line. How many, how many coasts? When he gets back to the Atlantic, and he just goes... Mm. I got, I'm not going to do the accent, but he just says, when I got to another ocean, and it, it, they leave a little bit of a beat either side of it. It's it's a really great line when he gets when he gets back to the Atlantic. Yeah, um, and most of so he just, he just it's his brother, who's who's a stand-in. Yes, yeah, who I think also does the voice of Buzz Lightyear on the TV shows because he sounds almost exactly <laughs> like Tom Hanks. Aww. Yeah, yeah, he's well, well. I mean, I don't know, sweet. It's Tom Hanks is too busy, so he's like, my brother sounds exactly like me. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that like that whole, like, um, what is it, blood harmony kind of thing that they talk about, where it's like, genetically, your voice is very similar to your sibling's voice. Yeah. Uh, mine isn't. I don't sound anything like my, yeah, my brother's. My, my brother and I have voice. voice. So, <laughs> exactly well. so, yeah, so Jim Hanks is doing a lot of the running in place of, in place of Tom. Uh, uncle to Colin, I think is how we know him these days. Um, and and so, I mean, what's funny is this is obviously, you know, uh, this is where Robert Zemeckis packs in like a bunch of gags. Like, first of all, he has On the Road Again playing underneath this <laughs> and Go Your Own Way. So, like, he, he makes a couple of musical jokes. Um, you know, the guy who comes up with the bumper sticker for Shit Happens <laughs> kind of, like, <laughs> find, you know, finds his inspiration uh, the person who apparently invents the smiley face because of um, Tom Hanks doing a kind of uh, uh, what is it called? The thing that Jesus did with the cloth and the yeah Shrap shrouded turn. Turin type thing, but with a shroud of happy face. Um, <laughs> that is, yeah, that yeah, I've seen this does, it does feel a little bit like the movie's turning yeah. around, going, Are we, uh, you know, the um, the John Travolta get from uh, Res- Res- yeah from Pulp Fiction. It has a bit of <laughs> yeah. that. Like, what, what's, uh, are we almost oh. done here? What's happening? yeah Uh, and obviously people kind of you know they start reading meaning into why he is running um and you know they they like they just kind of keep coming up to him and asking why he's running he just does it for years and years and years and then eventually kind of after three years um and a number of other things i'm sure rob will let me know three years two months 15 days and 16 hours yeah he um you know he basically just stops running you know he's like yeah okay i think i've run mm-hmm. enough and just stops um which disappoints this large group of people who have suddenly started running behind him you know because uh, they don't know why he was running and they don't know why he stopped um i mean i think this is a very like 70s feeling like of like you know looking for meaning and like this is where you see like the rise of like some cults and some like new age religion and 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 the fitness um like you know runner's world and things like that like that you know this is like primo time for all that stuff to to start so it's interesting that like he's even and even like the um the logo industry like the fact that you know bumper stickers and smiley faces and stuff like all of that dovetails this one guy is it's very interesting i i find it interesting that at no point did anybody call it jogging um, which you is know, very, which yeah, <laughs> yeah, which, but um, yeah, which, you know, obviously the guy who kind of invented jogging died of a heart attack while jogging. So, uh, read into that what you will. Uh, yeah, and this is this is kind of where we're brought full full circle because we find out that after he stopped running, you know, as he says to the the lady who's currently on the bench, 
Um, you know, he's he's been brought to um, I'm trying to remember where he is, uh, Savannah, Georgia, and he mm-hmm. is here because Jenny has sent him a letter and asked him to come here. Um, and of course, he's been waiting for this bus. All these different people have kind of like, you know, got on different buses and left him. And then he finds out from this woman um, that basically uh, Jenny's around the corner and you can just walk there. It's like six blocks. <laughs> and, and so it almost feels as if Robert Zemeckis is using that as like the biggest joke in the entire film is like, we've been sitting listening to this guy narrate his life. Absolutely. And he didn't even need to. He could have just... For two at any hours. point, he could have just got up and walked around a <laughs> corner and the whole thing would have come to an end um yeah and and i i like as well that like of course as soon as he finds out where where the address is and he's given the directions he just gets up and starts running like you know which is the only way he knows to go anywhere is just to start running um and unless gets hit by a car yes yeah Mm -hmm. um and you know he gets to jenny's apartment uh you know he he jenny invites him in and then uh a few moments later uh jenny's son is dropped off by the babysitter the babysitter, who is played by uh, Mary Ellen Trainer, um, and you're thinking to yourself, no. you're thinking to yourself, well, she's uncredited in this film, so that's why you might be shocked. Um, okay, I know who Mary Ellen Trainer is. Yes, she is the person who introduced Kathleen Kennedy and Steven Spielberg to each other, so they could start working together. And she's, you know, been, you know, she was married to Robert Zemeckis for twenty years, so uh, that is why she basically appears in. Uh, you know, of most of his films yeah um, also and this is the weirdest thing in the entire world um, she plays a character called Gail Wallens in the film Die Hard she also plays that character in a film called Ricochet so Ricochet takes place in the Die Hard universe which is just an insane thing <laughs> I was like okay um, she died in 2015 of pancreatic cancer um, but she makes a cameo here she also divorced um, Robert Zemeckis in the year 2000 um, so. so she didn't have any cameos in any of his movies after that. <clears throat> no, <laughs> uh, she apparently was no longer his good luck term. Yeah, um, and do you know? Do you know? Uh, she's she in Back to the Future Two, and she's uncredited. I can't remember the role. Oh, she was. She was in Back to the Future One. Oh, yes. as the newscaster. Yes, in yes. This. Um, yeah. So you know, this kid is dropped off, and it is revealed that he is called Forrest, and. <laughs> Apparently, his father's name is Forrest, and obviously, it takes. He also it, has a, his it takes Forrest Gump a yeah. few moments to figure uh. out what is going on, and then, of course, the most heartbreaking line in the entire film, as Tom Hanks says, "Is he like me?" And of course, she says, "No, he's smart. You know, and he's the smartest kid in the class." And he doesn't finish that thought, though. He says, "Is he smart, or is he?" Yeah. But it's so. Uh... That scene breaks me because I feel like you can watch this whole movie and be like, you know, all of this tragedy, all of this horrible stuff, whatever happens around Forrest, but he is so simple minded that like, he's just content and happy. But that moment shows his self-awareness and it's just like, uh, it just informs every other aspect of this movie. And yeah, it's, it's good. I think Tom Hanks is brilliant in that scene yeah. he, but it, it's like he packs he packs the entire movie's emotion into like four seconds when he does a little backup and then he asks mm. the, he answer that question it happens like that yeah. and you're right Aaron, it just it compacts the entire movie's self-awareness into like five seconds because the movie couldn't work if you had that at any other time but right yeah and then and then it works perfectly in that in that brief moment mm-hmm. yeah 
And I, I mean, you know, personally, I think, you know, that is probably the moment that he won the Oscar is because obviously, you know, it's like the whole kind of film is a bit goofy. And, you know, he keeps like, you know, showing his buttocks to presidents and, you know, kind of playing ping pong or whatever. And then obviously once he realizes he's got a son, the question is, you know, is his life going to be like his? Uh, by which mm -hmm. I mean completely charmed and he ends up a multimillionaire, you know, like <laughs> I don't see the tragedy in being Forrest Gump because he's super wealthy. <laughs> he's got more money than he knows what to do with. He just keeps, you know, spending it. Um, yeah, so obviously, you know, we find out Haley Joel Osment playing Forrest Gump Jr. here um, is, you know, is not like his father. Um, but, you know, and also uh, Jenny is not well. <laughs> and, and so and that is why at this point in time she has contacted Forrest Gump. Probably got nothing to do with the fact that he is a multimillionaire who will probably be able to set up his son for life. Uh, just, you know, she just casually just wants to get back in touch with him. Um, and of course, she agrees to marry him, uh, which is what we cut to next. Darren, this and is then... such a jaded reading you're, you have of Jenny's character. I'm sorry, I have to defend her. I'm like, I, yes, I'm sure. I mean, who wouldn't want to set up their son financially, whatever, but also reunite them with their father? Um, but yeah, I think Jenny always loved him, but not in the way that he wanted to be loved, not in a romantic way. Um, but yeah, when she's. Yeah coming home which is what you do when you're sick and you're whatever that her home is, is and when she has that yeah she has that moment in the i mean <laughs> it's a very funny little bit when she's watching tv and the runners on there and he gets interviewed <laughs> and she was she basically sort of goes oh oh Forrest. like <laughs> there he is running three years around the country <laughs> right what? like what did you get yourself what? into <laughs> yeah um so obviously they marry and Lieutenant Dan shows up and uh, he is walking, uh, much to the surprise of uh, Forrest. And of course he has magic. <laughs> you got legs, yeah. Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> he has magic legs, much like Forrest did at the start of the film. Mm -hmm. um, and he also has a fiance mm -hmm. um, who doesn't say anything, just stands there <laughs> while everybody else no, talks. No, she says hello. She says, oh, she says hello, yeah. She says hi, Forrest. She didn't say much else after that, but yeah. So, but there's there, there's a kin to her in in the in the original novel based on the synopsis that I read. So, um, one of the things that, that Lieutenant Dan mentions at this point with his legs is is that it's used his legs by the same thing that uh, that made this that they make the space shuttle out of. Mm -hmm. Okay, now as we all know, in the next movie that 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 he's in, as you mentioned earlier, he's in Apollo 13. He plays Ken Mattingly, who himself flew the space shuttle. So I love that connection. But if you look in the book, so in, in the, the, the book, Forrest Gump, again, I haven't read, but based on the synopsis that I read, there's a certain part where he joins NASA. Okay, he's apparently a, in the book, he's a numbers whiz. In the movie, we never see that at all, that he's able to, to, to calculate numbers really well. So he's put on a mission to, to be sent to Mars with, with two other, uh, I wouldn't even say people, with... <laughs> one of them is the first female to be in space, and the other one is an orangutan. Okay, and the <laughs> orangutan's name is Sue. Now, uh, Lieutenant Dan's yeah. fiance, her name is Susan. Oh. So, I hope there's no connection between that. But uh, you know, I just found it interesting that this the exact same name, you know, Sue and Susan, for that. And yeah. and one of the things I liked about a, the fact it's that it's a common that, name. You know, we, we see that his fiance is, uh, to put it delicately, 
is, is a, an actress of color. The idea is to actually show that Lieutenant Dan has gotten over any of his anger towards anything that happened in Vietnam, anything that anger he might have had towards the Vietnamese people and things like that. So I, I like that little, mm -hmm. you know, we, as you mentioned, we see her just for a few seconds. We don't see her very much. But just seeing her, I think, opens up and says a lot about his character, about how things have uh, evolved for him, his whole character arc over the 15, 20 years. I don't know, 50, uh, this mm -hmm. is 80, 81, I guess. This is because you're right. This is 81. Mm -hmm. So from 67 to 81, we're talking 14 years. Uh, and of course, uh, Jenny gets sick and dies in the same bed that Forrest Gump's mom died in. Um, of an unspecified disease. Uh, although I think in the novels it is identified as hepatitis C. Mm -hmm. um, although some people, uh, when the film first came out, read it as she died from AIDS. I believe that till this day. I, you're, you're the, this is the first time I'm hearing that it's something else. <laughs> yeah, no, well, pretty much every single think, think piece about like Forrest Gump for like 20 years was like, she died of AIDS, she died of AIDS. And in the in the sequel, it's kind of confirmed that she died of hepatitis C, mm -hmm. which was at the same at the, in like 1981, 1982, was as unidentified mm -hmm. as AIDS was. So you know, okay, I think the timeline. Yeah. I think the timeline is more likely to be hepatitis. But mm -hmm. in terms of making that movie in 1994 or 1993, it's yeah. very clearly an AIDS metaphor of some sort. Although it's an interesting time for an AIDS metaphor too. At that point. When you're making the movie about the seventies, and it, it's just it is, I, I always took it that way. Like I think I think most of the audience does take it that way. Or, but it's 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 a weird way and time to put that in. It's very it feels very shoehorned. Um, but there's also the fact that then it makes it if it, if it were to, then you'd have the question. Okay, so she infected Forrest, possibly, and and well, what yeah. about young Forrest? And said from that perspective. Yeah, perspective. Mm. So I I like the fact that that you've now corrected me in uh, thinking <laughs> that that is now hepatitis. See, that makes a lot more sense. Well, I mean, Little Forest is what like five. Like, there's no saying that she didn't have that. I mean, that she was sick before. No, but she um, she turned her life around. We see. It seems, according to the way the movie is shown, that that when when she came to Forest. That was the end of her uh, bad girl times, you know. She right, but I mean, I think that like you know, both Hep C and AIDS can be transferred via drug use and sex. So like, um, I think that if it's in the early '80s and there was still not much known about them, they're not tied to these kind of like, you know, party behaviors. So let's say she slept with someone or whoever, you know, after. After yeah yeah I agree though I always thought it was AIDS um, basically only because it was 1994 but it would make sense also if it was Hep C and also when she comes to him to like you know um, f like f when she's kind of finished with her uh, you know kind of you know extreme lifestyle throughout the 70s mm -hmm. um, like even though she's like sleeping a lot and all that kind of stuff and obviously Forrest comments on it she's not got Hep C then she's just withdrawing from drugs and <laughs> she's just like mm -hmm. you know so but i think a lot of people read that as like that's when she got it and that's the start of it and then mm -hmm. she has the kid well like i said know, till this uh, till this moment the, that's the, what the i thought author. so you know that's... <laughs> yeah but uh, the author confirmed that like you know the the intention was for it to be hep c but obviously nobody in the film ever says what it is 
you know so and obviously in like 1982 apparently it wasn't well known as well so from from that point of view it's actually accurate that that mm-hmm. no one knows what right. she I like when you say how you said Darren then when she she basically returns to Alabama after having a very culturally representative lifestyle <laughs> a pop cultural <laughs> representative lifestyle for about 10 years she's like man I'm tired I've been going through yeah. every trend in this country I've got to take a break yeah it's like I've done everything I'm just I just need a rest yeah. quite frankly I need to go to Alabama and just lie down in a plantation house for a, f- a few years I've got to be careful man. new, new um, waves coming up and I just have to be ready for it so everybody <laughs> gotta be ready for synth she needs a break um yeah of course once jenny is dead this gives the the you know this gives forrest the excuse to keep narrating because obviously he's no longer sitting on a park bench telling his life but he is now um talking to jenny um, and he describes the life that he now has with his son uh as they you know they fish and he fakes being bad at ping pong so his son will feel better Mm. Um, because they play some ping pong and he misses some shots and you're like this is a guy who basically was sent overseas because he was the best at ping pong there's no way he's losing to like a six-year-old or whatever um you know so i feel like he's definitely throwing that game um and of course this is where we get you know the the reappearance of the same driver who picked up forest um, she's still working, like, I don't know, like 20 years later, she's still she working great. for KMT. <laughs> yeah, she it looks like she hasn't aged a day. Um, and, you know, I kind of I kind of like how, you know, he Forrest says to his son, he says he, he wants to tell him that he loves him. Um, and then obviously he says, you know, that he should do that. And we get the kind of the callback of the feather because it was in the Curious George book. It was placed there at the start and now it falls out and the feather turns into CGI and then flies off into the sky, and that is where the film finishes. Mm-hmm. Um, with I like the fact that they use Curious yeah. George, George as the bookend here because he fits in with, you know, the character of Forrest Gump. I mean, the the, the the book was written in in the early nineteen forties. So the fact that that Forrest, if if Jenny was born in forty five, so I'm assuming that that Forrest was born in forty five. So he went to school, I guess, in 53, 54, something like that. So it was a really new book at the time, but it still, you know, was, was there was a, and there's a strong connection between, you know, uh, is curious mm-hmm. about everything. He's curious in a different way than Curious George. Curious George goes and touches everything. He's just looking around wondering about things and he has his impressions on why things are the way they are uh yeah and so we go into six minutes of credits <sighs> a lot of credits um as the film finishes <laughs> a lot of cgi yeah. well that's yeah that's it that's where the credit is um and you know uh it's okay you know one best picture <laughs> Um, I think I think the funny thing about it winning Best Picture is obviously it beat out uh, Shawshank Redemption, which of course then sets up Shawshank Redemption to be kind of the ultimate, you know, like film that kind of failed um, because it didn't make any money in the box office and then it didn't win any awards. And then, you know, people complained because Forrest Gump beat it out. But uh, here's the thing, uh, you know, Frank Darabont, it also be well, yeah. Well, I mean, Frank Darabont, you know, ended up working with uh, with Tom Hanks in a few years' time, anyway. And I would say personally, the Green Mile is better than Shawshank Redemption. But that's just my personal opinion about that particular film. Um, so, but you know, I'll get into that once we get to the Green Mile. Otherwise, let's go to uh, our opinions for this film. And of course, uh, we only have two ratings, and they are T Hanks or no T Hanks. <laughs> 
Um, and I feel like I know where everyone is. But let's start with Daniel, um, Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. I will go T. Hanks on this one. I'll just go T. Hanks. There's a, there's a million reasons, um, and they've all been articulated fairly uh, incessantly. Incessantly is not the right word. Um, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons not to like this movie, and, and, and I've read them all and know them all. But for Tom Hanks himself. The, 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 the physical acting and, and the, the laughs that I still get out of this movie, um, which is a pretty mean, mean movie, is it, it, I have to give it a Definitely T. Hanks. Um, yeah, I agree that, like, it's it's a problematic movie. You know, it's, it has this, like, idealized uh, viewpoint of American history um, that even, you know, at the time as a kid, I knew was a fairy tale, was, you know, a, a very, like, glossy nostalgia for an era that never really existed for everyone um but the the acting is so great all around not just not just tom um but yeah i think it's 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 a film that he is playing an entirely different person than himself like i i feel like i've seen tom hanks and stuff where it's like yeah, but, like, to a degree, that's Tom Hanks. Like, he's affable, and he's cute and comical or whatever, but in this, like, he just, he totally disappears into the role and becomes Forrest Gump, and Forrest Gump becomes Tom Hanks. Like, I just think they're, we can't separate them now. Um, so, yeah, it's an iconic role for him, and, I yeah, I love this movie. Um, I'm definitely going to go with uh, T. Hanks. No question about that. I, I love this movie. Uh, we mentioned came out 27 years ago and I've seen it so many times and I can keep rewatching it and not get bored of it at all. It's a lot of fun. Um, as Aaron mentioned, it feels like a, a modern day fairy tale, but, but to me it works. You're able to take this character who's simple minded and place him into all these different historical events and it, it comes across uh, believably. Uh, obviously, with with any movie, you know, you're not going to look at it and say this is 100% true and it's possible that this all happens. But mm-hmm. but they, they give it to us in a very believable way. The special effects are unbelievable. The music is amazing. And it's all topped by Tom Hanks' performance. I mean, as you mentioned at the opening of the show, Tom Hanks was the first actor to win best actor, uh, back-to-back best actor Oscars. Uh, since Spencer Tracy did it in 37 and 38. So we're talking a span of 40, 43 years, 44 years between actors being able to... Yes, there were two supporting actors who, who did it. Uh, you have Walter Brennan also in the 30s and then Jason Robarts in the 70s. But you're talking when you're talking about a lead actor, when when you look at Oscars, they they like to, to, to spread the wealth as much as possible. They don't like giving the same person over and over. Mm-hmm. It's it's rare. I mean, the fact that that Frances McDormand this year won her third Oscar was uh, is something that that doesn't happen very often. So Tom Hanks was able to show everyone that here he's playing a character Philadelphia, and then you give him another role that's completely a hundred and eighty degree t- uh, turn, and he just hits it out of the park. There's no question about it. And all the other actors that you mentioned that were choices for casting in this movie none of them would have been able to to make this movie as successful and as enjoyable to watch as tom hanks so i will definitely say yes t hanks thanks uh i mean i will break tradition i'll say no t hanks i mean uh, no i'm kidding obviously t hanks. um i mean this film shows that if you are a simple white male in america 
you can become a multimillionaire by doing practically nothing. Um, which I guess and is hey, the most cynical. If we thing. haven't seen the last <laughs> number of and evidence say, to support that. <laughs> yeah, and if particularly if you're a multimillionaire and you do something like running across the country backwards and forwards with no motivation, people will just find you endlessly fascinating mm. and will constantly talk about you. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, like, you know, following on from Philadelphia, even following on from like, you know, a league of their own Philadelphia, like, you know, there's a reason why I call this the Golden 14, because it is just performance, like every performance, like even the next one, it's a completely different performance, you know, and then, you know, we finish up with like Saving Private Ryan and You've Got Mail and like Cast Away, like none of these roles are the same, like, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, uh, you know, if, catch me if you can. Uh, of course, things go off the rails slightly after that. Um, but yeah, like, you know, like each time. And the thing is as well, like this is this is Tom kind of, um, you know, in the 80s, you know, he worked with some, I would say, no name directors mentioning no Roger Spottiswoods. Um, but like once he got to the 90s, Tom Hanks was clearly like, I'm only going to be working with good directors from this point on. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to faff about with people who don't know what they're doing. And it is literally him just being like, you know, um, you know Nora Ephron, and then mm-hmm. and then like you know Robert Zemeckis, and you know Jonathan Demme, and then Steven Spielberg. Finally, takes them like years to actually finally work together. Um, you know, like he's he's deliberately picking you know the projects, and apparently he he said yes to this after reading the script like for like ninety minutes. He was like, yeah, I'm you know I'm on board. Um, you know, so that's how kind of like decisive he was about knowing exactly what he wanted to do. And, you know, what you know, there are some there are some parts of the character where it does kind of feel a bit cartoonish. Um, but I think by the time you get to the end of the film, you know, Tom Hanks has kind of sold you on the idea that, you know, this guy would happily sit down to a bus bench and just start telling you his life story. Um, but, you know, there is a you know, there's a certain element of tragedy, like, you know, his mom dies, his dad, uh, you know, we don't know where he is. Like, you know, well, yeah, we don't know where he is on vacation. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you where know. Where you go and you don't come back. Which <laughs> no. makes sense because he never takes uh, vacation. You know, Bubba, Bubba dies. <laughs> Jenny dies. Like, you know, there's a, there's so much tragedy that I think, you know, in a different director's hands, um, you know, the, the whole film would have had a completely different tone and it would have been about those deaths. Whereas with, you know, with the performance Tom is putting in, it's more about like overcoming all that and just continuing on um, and, you know, wisely investing in Apple stock and becoming a multimillionaire, uh, which is a life lesson that everyone should have took. <laughs> I agree. I think that like I, you know, rewatching this again, I was like, I wonder if this movie is like too earnest and like I'm going to be a little bit turned off, you know, after the, the last few years, certainly that our world has had and America has had. Um, but I don't think it takes itself too seriously. I think that there's like a really fine line between its earnestness and it's like satire and all of that. Um, and so, yeah, like the, the points of tragedy are very touching like I cried when his mom died I cried when Jenny died like it's it's very sad um but like the comical elements are so tongue-in-cheek and like you know smart and and honestly like what Daniel said earlier about like when they cut to birth of a nation and his ancestor I think that sets you up right away of like this movie knows that it's going to be silly like there's going to be really silly moments um yeah, so I just I was pleasantly surprised at that because I did not know how well it would have aged. And I think like having seen it the humor while. is best summed up by the fact that when um, you know Bubba's mom gets the money, 
and she like when she's introduced it's her and then her you know her ancestors have basically been servants to rich white people their entire lives and then when mm-hmm. she gets the money you know forrest just sums up as saying and then she didn't have to work in anyone else's kitchen again and you see a white person bringing food to her mm-hmm. and you know like in a way that's just like a little kind of visual gag because it's like obviously earlier we saw her doing the same thing as as all her own relatives and you know the implication is going back far enough she was probably you know from descended from slaves and so the fact that her life is turned around by something you know an idea that her son came up with that Forrest kind of generously is just like you know it was his idea so you you should have the percentage shows like what a good character he is and also allows Robert Zemeckis to do that kind of gag of like well, now she's got like white servants serving her. And it's, you know, that that kind of quick little thing that, mm. you know, like I say, under other directors, um, you know, I feel like it would have been handled completely differently. Um, you know, and in a way, it's tragic that following, you know, September 11th, Robert Zemeckis fell in love with doing motion capture because that's all he seemed to have done for like five or six years. And I was like, come on, Robert, do a proper film where we have actual people acting instead of all these computer characters. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously he'll work again with, with, with Tom in Castaway and, you know, we'll get, I'll talk about that when we get to it. But, you know, I feel like Robert Zemeckis is one of those directors who kind of brought the best out in Tom. He won him an Oscar and then, <laughs> and then you know, and then, you know, they obviously mm-hmm. worked together after this, but yeah, you know, it, like, there's a reason why this film was like the second highest grossing film in 1994. There's a reason why all of us saw it at the cinema. You know, I barely went. I don't think I ever I saw any other films in 1994 at the cinema other than Forrest Gump. Like, you know, that's how big it was. It was that kind of <laughs> phenomenon. And the like the same is true with the soundtrack. That soundtrack sold tons. Like, you know, it, it kind of was a greatest hits of like American music um, for, you know, from like, you know, 51 through to like, you know, I don't know, 70 something. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's, you know, that's, yeah. that's kind of, you know, at the same time, you know, he can have like Forrest Gump running and then play on the road again underneath it, which, you know, is, is kind of very jokey, but at the same time it kind of fits with, um, you know, what he was doing with the film. But yeah, you know, it's a very, it, you know, it, it won the best picture Oscar. And I think people can argue about who, who else deserved it that year. But, you know, I think it was at the time, you know, it was certainly a deserved win. Um, you know, although uh, personally, I would have liked that they did have him like meet Reagan at least. Uh, you know, we just see Reagan get shot, and you know, we're given that as like the time frame for like the end of the film. But you know, would have been nice if he'd have done something that got him to meet Reagan. But um, you know, I guess that would have been one president too many. Um, so, with that said, uh, let us go to plugs. Uh, is there anything that you wish to plug? And I will go from. The oldest guest to the youngest, so we'll start with Rob. Um, okay, so I want to plug my uh, my podcast. So you have the Great Escape Minute. You can go there and listen to us talk about as we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. You can find us on any podcatcher that you might be using. Our uh, we have a Facebook group called Cooler. Our website minute dot com. Our Twitter account is Great Escape MXM. Or if you want, you can just send us an email to the Great Minute dot com. Uh, besides that, I have my own site, Movie Rob. Uh, at dot uh, wordpress dot com, where uh, I basically have about a hundred new movie reviews every month from all time, not not new, not old. It uh, it's all random. So feel f- I right now have over eight thousand uh, movie reviews there. So feel free to go, have fun. 
<laughs> and Daniel, anything for you to plug? Uh, no, I, there was some Jackson Brown on the soundtrack, so I'll plug uh, Late for the Sky, who's uh, mid 70s at this. <laughs> Very sad and sweet. And Erin, is there anything that you wish to plug? Um, Well, so I'm a public librarian, so I always ask people to support their public library. Um, But I actually do have a new podcast coming out um, with my friend Elle about Bridgerton. Um, And that will be uh, broadcasting in September. So actually probably by the time this airs. Um, And it is called Talk of the Ton. The Duke and Us, a Bridgerton podcast, um, and you can uh, our social media stuff is Ton Talk Pod. So um, anywhere you find that, that'll be there. That is easier to remember than the Twitter handle for this, which is t <laughs> underscore ft memory. Which is, uh, I mean, that's just a, a nightmare of a, a handle to, for people to even remember. I have it written out in my own notes because I cannot re- ever remember it correctly. Um, so thanks for being my guest today on this episode. Thanks, Darren. Thank you very much. Stupid is stupid does. <laughs> and you know, I think that this podcast has gone off without any problems, but next time we will definitely have a problem.